Ron wanted to have a thank you for us, uh, kind of a going away from missions for us, and and uh, then COVID hit. We weren't able to do that, and I had my goodbye from here. Michelle sang a song for us and made me cry. This church supported us for 20 years. Came 2000. I I was we went into uh, new tribes. Probably uh, you, you could encapsulate my ministry of new tribes in in maybe one or two stories, but I give you one. Okay. It was we'd been on in in Garoka in Papua New Guinea for about four years. And one night I got a call from the front gate. Our center was uh, bar, uh, had uh, a fence around it. It was cultural to have a fence around it and guarded. That is the culture of that place. And so we got, I got a call from the guard shack saying that a friend of mine, one of the nationals there, had was asking for me. His name was Highlands. We lived in the Highlands of New Guinea, but his name was Highlands. And uh, he was a good friend. So I went down there fairly eight. Eight o'clock's pretty late uh, for them. They have no lights or whatever. So uh, anyway, so they're out pretty late for them. I went out to there, and it wasn't just him. There was a crowd out there, and Highlands was at the beginning, kind of at the the front of the crowd. And he starts rattling off and pigeon. And my pigeon was rudimentary at best. I could figure out there's something to do with their daughters, chimbu, a problem, and they needed a ride. Every time I tried to get him to slow down, uh, he just, and I couldn't get it. And finally, I said, okay, this is it. I got, I said, I'm going to call somebody out. So I called Chris Bittner, which is a good friend of ours, and uh, he, he came down. He's fluent uh, pigeon, fluent speaker pigeon. So he came down. He listened to him. And he, he came to me. He says, listen, here's what I'm getting. Something about Kimbu, daughters, you know, problem, and they need a ride. I'm like, that's everything I got. What do I need you for? You know, here's a guy's fluent, you know. So I'm like, okay. So I, I told Highlands, I said, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you a ride, you know. So I went back, got the vehicle, and uh, went out to the front gate. Well, most of the crowds dispersed except the guys. Apparently, I'm not just taking Highlands. I'm taking a whole group of guys. There were four of them in my truck, inside the truck, and I, it seats... It, it only seats four, and I was a driver, so there's five in the truck. And uh, then there was about seven or eight in the back. It's only a small truck, by the way. And uh, they're armed for war. Uh, Highlands guys will fight at the drop of the hat, and they will kill, and these guys are ready for war, and my pigeon isn't very good, and I don't know where I'm taking them, and I don't know what I'm going to end up with when I get there, Am I taking these to battle or what? I'm thinking as I'm driving, God, you have the worst missionary ever in the world. Everybody, every other missionary is bringing peace. I'm hauling people to battle, right? I can just imagine that these guys are going to go up there and kill a bunch of people, and a bunch of them are going to be wounded, and I'm going to be bringing them back, and I'm going to be kicked out of new tribes as the worst missionary. I'm going to be the poster child for how not to be a missionary. I'm like, I can't believe this. And I'm driving along, and I'm, I don't know where I'm going. I mean, I mean, I know I'm on the, there's only one road in New Guinea, so I know I'm, I'm on the road, but I don't know how far I'm going. I'm going up, and finally I see flashing lights in the distance. It's the police. You don't ever see the police. They have a few of them. They aren't usually noticeable. 
and uh, there's a bunch, there's a couple of police cars up there, and they've they've stopped, and there's a school. So now I realize, well, okay, we came to the school, and when I stopped, one of the police officers could speak pigeon slow enough, I could understand him. There had been a riot there, and these guys were worried about their daughters. Three of them had daughters up there, and they wanted to go rescue them. And so that's what we were doing. We were on a rescue mission. <laughs> Stood a little taller then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. New tribes got something when they got me, all right? And uh, so, and the police were really happy because they were up there guarding the school, and uh, they didn't want us to take the three daughters. They wanted us to take every girl that was left in the school. So I think I counted up. We had 23 people in my truck, uh, which was a very small truck. And uh, fortunately, it was mostly downhill. And we came back the next day. As I walked through the, as I walked through our center, and even in the village, there would be women that would come up and hug me, and uh, thank me, and uh, and grown men that would do the same thing. And uh, that's probably encapsulates our our ministry. Uh, God used us in spite of us. Okay, I had no clue what was going on, but somehow God used it. And uh, Highlands and his wife, which I can't remember her name, Highlands' wife. Yeah. Anyway, she won't remember either. Well, both of us will remember in a week or so. But uh, they both got saved, and a couple of those guys got saved. But anyway, that was my ministry in New Guinea. That uh, one other time, I was in uh, mediation. I was mediating between two missionary families. Halfway through the mediation, about 20 minutes in, one of the families said, that's it, we're leaving tomorrow. We're going back to the States. I thought, I am the worst mediator in the world. I'm the worst mediator in the world. And uh, God, why do you have me here? And about half an hour later, uh, these two families were hugging each other and crying and uh, and, and stayed on the field and, and became cl- much closer. I don't know if great friends, but cl- much closer and that was once again in spite of me. Uh, we had a great ministry in, ministry in, uh, in New Tribes, great years, and God used us. But it's only because we got a great God. It wasn't because he got a, you, you had a great missionary. We just have a great God. And, uh, and so thank you for all those uh, years you support us. Now I hear you're giving out all these checks. I'm thinking about coming out of retirement. No, but uh, anyway, no, just a, just kidding. Okay, anyway. Uh, so what are we doing now? Well, last year, uh, the school was closing in Jackson. I was uh, teaching there at school in Jackson. Uh, the school was closing, and uh, then COVID hit. And so in March, uh, basically, all the students were gone. We did some online teaching. I did some of that uh, until May. And then I was going to be a rep in, uh, the, in the Jackson area, basically, to churches because uh, we've lost all our students, and churches were hurting some of them. Because that was going to be a rep for those churches, and uh, no churches were meeting, and uh, and the ones that had a meeting every now and then, you know, they had a Sunday. That's the only service they had. They didn't have Sunday school. They had no other way for me to. I couldn't even meet with pastors. And so I'm sitting at home and uh, doing nothing. And every month I received a check from you guys. You're not getting it back, by the way. And uh, and. Uh, and other individuals, and and we were kind of struggling struggling with that. Uh, so in October we retired. We just uh, said that's we're not going to continue that. So we retired, 
And uh, then my, I got a job. My son, uh, Caleb, uh, works at a fa- factory I used to work at. And he told them, and they said, well, we'll make a job for him. And and they're extremely kind to me. Uh, and uh, I'm an old man. They're really nice to me when I forget things and when I spill things and, and everything else. And uh, I've come to the place that many of you probably are. My son said it, my oldest son said it best. He says, I don't mind my job, but I hate going. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that. I don't mind my job. It's getting there is, is the problem. I just, you know, getting ready and having to think about it. Once I'm there, it's great. But it's getting there, and, and I'm into that, that point as well. So I got that job, and it's a little over 40 hours a week. Well, then there was a church in uh, down by Tipton, and uh, they asked me to pastor them. And so I took I took that on. It's a very small church, about twenty to thirty people. It'd be a really good day if there's thirty people. It's probably an Easter day or or something like that. So it's a very small church. Uh, they they're extremely kind uh, to us and have have loved on us. And all they they wanted teaching, and I'm I, I'm not a good preacher. I I know I'm not a preacher. I'm much more of a teacher. I'm very con- comfortable with a whiteboard. They let me have a whiteboard. And uh, I have a TV, and I use PowerPoint, and so uh, it's very, it's wonderful. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, but I told them, I said, listen, when I took the job, I said, there's there's two churches I have an affinity for, I have a relationship with. One of them's in Manchester, and one of them's in Wisconsin, and probably closer to this one than the one in Wisconsin. But I said, I will need to go periodically and speak there and keep that relationship going. And so that's what we're doing. And so uh, it's good to be here. Uh, so what I was going to speak on, well, here's the thing. Uh, about four or five months ago, I'm talking to my wife, and I, I, I'm usually, every word she says I'm listening to, you know, I'm just very concentrated on, you know. There's a very rare occasion where I'm just half listening, you know. And uh, this was one of those occasions where I was kind of in my half listening mode. And uh, so later on, I'm looking, and, you know, I happen to be in YouTube, and I see this thing, Hallelujah. I was like, seems like I heard that somewhere. I said, I wonder if that's, I wonder if Marcia was saying something about that. So I turned it on. And it was these two girls, maybe you've seen it, it kind of went viral. You know, it's got like 10 million hits or something like that. It's two girls, one of them's 10, one of them's 19. And they sing this song, Hallelujah, which is Cohen's um, song, but with different words that somebody else wrote, not them. And it's it's done really beautifully. It's just phenomenal the way they do it. And they wrote it for uh, their grandparents who were devout Christians and were discouraged because they were they were in COVID lockdown. And uh, and so it, I really liked that. And I thought about it a lot. I was thinking about Hallelujah, and and then I looked in Scripture and I said, "Where in the world do you find Hallelujahs?" Because I didn't know. Hey, I'm a Bible teacher. What do I know? So anyway, you find them in you find them in Psalms. All the Hallelujahs in the Old Testament are Psalms. And the only place you find hallelujah in New Testament is in Revelation. Revelation 19. So then I said, well, you know what? I'm going to listen to some Revelation 19 sermons. And I did. I liked them. And uh, I'm going to plagiarize them. I'm plagiarizing them right now. I'm going to plagiarize them. So just so you know, and I'm not going to give them any credit for it whatsoever. So I don't know if they can do anything to me or not. But anyway, so a lot of this is plagiarized and I... I'm sorry, but anyway, it is, it is the way it is. Uh, but it, I thought it was apropos in the, in the world we live in today, it's a mess. I don't know about you, but I think it's a mess. I tried to wean my way away, uh, 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 
from news, but I still read it, and I still, even just reading the headlines gets me upset. And uh, sometimes I just need a reality check to kind of get me back in focus, and, and Revelation 19 is, is, is a good place to start. So maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, maybe you just think things are good, and if, if you do, and, and you have access to those drugs, Go, you know, I'm all for it. You know, maybe I could get some. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so we're going to be in Revelation 19. And and uh, really what's happened in Revelation 17, uh, Christ, Jesus Christ has dealt with the, the great harlot, which is uh, basically a, a world religion. Deals with that, the, called the Whore of Babylon. And uh, deals with that basically in, in chapter 17. Chapter 18, he deals with the city of Babylon, uh, the actual city and, and materialism, and he deals with that. And so uh, finally we come to, to Revelation chapter uh, 19, and in the first 10 verses, um, John's going to talk about everything he heard, and in uh, the verses after that, basically the verses after that all the way to the end of the Bible, is all about what he saw. Uh, He's going to hear some amazing things. Isn't it kind of funny? I never think about hearing as being amazing, right? Uh, Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 12 that he was, he knew a man that was called up to heaven and he heard unspeakable things. What in the world kind of things was he hearing? Something pretty amazing, it must be, because he can't even speak about it. But anyway, so he's going to talk about things and that's what we're going to cover mostly is the things that he heard. So in Revelation chapter 19 verse 1, so after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. So the, there's a multitude in heaven going, Alleluia. Okay? Now, the reason they don't say Hallelujah, it's kind of a transliteration of, of Hallelujah, which was more Latin and comes from the Hebrew. But it really means the same thing. Hallel means praise and Yah or Yo means God. Praise God. So this is praising, we're praising God here. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. So we have now the, the beginning of the return, the final return of Jesus Christ. It's going to culminate in Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. We'll talk about that later. And it says it's salvation. He's salvation. Now salvation is a word that, uh, it can, you know, it has a broad meaning, right? It has a broad meaning. I read, a, maybe you read this uh, last past week. There was a young boy down in Jacksonville, Florida. His uh, dad and his sister and him went out in into the into the Gulf, and uh, his he and his sister were were kind of holding on to the boat, and then his sister lost her her grip on the boat, and the current was taking her away, and the dad jumped in to to get her. And the current was taking him, and this boy was left alone. He's like, I think he's seven years old. He swam a mile. Took him an hour. He swam a mile to shore and got the Jackson, uh, Jacksonville Fire and Rescue, and they got a Coast Guard, and they actually saved these these this father and the daughter because of the son. You know, he saved them. Yeah, that's saving. And but here it's it isn't just salvation. It's it has a definite article. It's the salvation. That kind of that's kind of setting up this whole thing. It's the salvation. Okay, he saved the, his father and da- sister, but they're going to die someday. This is talking about 
the salvation, the salvation, and the glory, and the honor, and the power belong to the Lord our God. I love Mexican food. Maybe you do too. I love lots of different foods, but I love Mexican food. And uh, I really like enchiladas. But I'll take any, just about any of it. But enchiladas are the, are the best. But you go to the Mexican restaurant. You know what they do? The first thing they bring you? Chips and salsa. Love those too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love those chips and salsa. Bring it on. Okay? And I can two-fist those. And they, yeah, I can keep them busy bringing those chips back. Ever notice that the bowl of chips gets smaller each time they replace it? It's like, hey, fat boy, you, you know, you've had enough, you know? And it's just like, but anyway, I don't care. I just keep eating it, right? But then, finally, the enchiladas come. Right? Chips and salsa. It was good stuff. But now, I got the whole enchilada, right? The whole enchilada. And wow, it's there. This is why I can't. Okay, chips and salsa were good. But this is what I've been waiting for. See, that's kind of the, we have salvation. We have, we're, we're in the chips and salsa stage of salvation. But they're in salvation, there is this time where the salvation it's going to culminate. It's going to be all come together. It's the salvation. And that's what these guys are going hallelujah for. Gary Larson is a, he has a comic strip called Farside. You probably have read, I like Farside. Okay? Kind of the weird thing. You know, I had one comic where, where it shows this guy, he's sitting on the cloud, you know, he's got the halo, he's the angel. Okay, the doctrine's off, okay? Trust me, the doctrine's way off. But anyway, it's like this guy died and he went to heaven. Somehow he's an angel. Who cares? Okay, but he's up there and he has this like super bored, you know, he's sitting there. He's got like this bored look on his face. And the caption underneath says, I should have brought a magazine. Right? And, it, you know, I think that encapsulates what a lot of people, even Christians, think of heaven, that somehow it's going to be this boring place. You know what? That yeah, we're gonna leave here. But then you know it's gonna be boring up there. It, that can't be farther from the truth. Can you imagine the God that created the colors of this in this universe, and the animals in this universe, and the fish, and the birds? He's taken faces. Okay, let's just think about faces. Everybody's got a chin, nose, mouth, eyes, ears, and possibly hair. Okay. I'm sorry I looked at George right before I said that, but anyway, okay, it just, it just came to mind. Sorry, George. Yeah, I feel your pain, okay? But in, in, with just those things to work with, ever seen anybody that looks exactly like? I mean, there's sometimes twins that are really close, but for the most part, there's a whole lot of variety. Can you imagine the God that, that created this world all of a sudden has heaven and it's like, you know, Black and white or monochrome or something? No. It's gonna be, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna, it's gonna be like, I think C.S. Lewis said, it's gonna be that blessed longing of, of having your, your longing satisfied but renewed constantly. Can you imagine having your longing constantly being satisfied and renewed? Right? It's like at the end of the dinner, I've had enough enchilada. I don't want to see another chip. Right? But in God's economy, it's gonna, you're gonna constantly be renewed. It's gonna be, oh man, just what I wanted. So, man, that's, this, no wonder they're going hallelujah. 
Then look at verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. So here's the next thing. On Christ's return, he's going to bring justice to this earth. And it's going to continue on. We're going to see that. You'll see that as you continue on in this book. He's bringing justice to this earth. We live in a world of injustice. Maybe you've felt the sting of injustice. Maybe you're a, you know, a battered wife, or maybe your daughter is, or or you're a battered as a child, or or you've had some uh, something done to you at work. But many people have felt the sting of injustice. We live in a world that that's all about injustice. Brian Stevenson just wrote a book called uh, Just Mercy. I think he was going to. I think there's going to be a, a movie about him, Brian Stevenson. Anyway. Talks about in this book about when he was a, a little boy. Uh, he went to a, a black school and and uh, his parents, devout Christians, went to an Episcopalian small Episcopalian church down there in Georgia. And uh, one day they came home. They said, "We're going to go to the the church is going to take a, the whole bus and we're going to go to Washington D.C. and we're going to stay in a hotel." He said his he and his sister were so excited, not about Washington, D.C., but the thought of staying in a hotel, and not so much the hotel as they had a pool. They were going to get to swim in a pool. And he said when that bus finally got there, Brian and his sister jumped off that bus, and they ran out there. And sure enough, there was a pool, and they went and changed their clothes into their bathing suits, and they jumped in the pool, and it was just as glorious as they thought it would be. It was wonderful. But then they saw something strange happen. People started leaving the pool. And pretty soon, only people left in the pool were he and his sister and one small boy. And that boy's dad came up and told his son, you get out of the pool. And Brian asked the man, he says, what's wrong? What's wrong? And the man says, you are. And he called him an N-word that my mom would never let me use. Can you imagine? Brian Stevenson went on to college, graduated from Yale as a lawyer, and set up an organization to to help people that are poor or disenfranchised like that. Justice, to receive justice. But even trying to get justice, you ever notice that in this country there's a lot of people that want justice, but in their striving for justice, they are unjust? You ever notice that? How unjust people are sometimes as they're striving to reach justice. Even in trying to get justice, there's injustice. Kind of going over the top of other people. And it's just, it's kind of a strange thing. It's not a new phenomenon. If we think injustice is new, it's not. Uh, it's, it's an old thing. David felt it. He wrote about it in Psalm 73. I'm going to read it. It's going to be out of the New Living Translation. You'll realize that as I'm reading it, that it's not King James. He says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil in their pride. They seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. 
What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. <laughs> finally, I went in the, into your sanctuary. Finally, finally I, I put things in, in, in perspective. I went into your sanctuary. Maybe you would say we, I, we could go into his word. But hey, I, I went some, I found out here's the destiny of the wicked. God is concerned about justice. You do a search in, in, in the Bible for justice, you're going to find it throughout the Old Testament. God demanded that of governments, that he wanted them to be just. He wanted people to be just. He wanted judges to be just. That's why 2,000 years ago, when Pontius Pilate, representing Rome, which supposedly had justice, when he washes his hands and says, I find no fault in him, was the ultimate act of un- injustice when he lets Christ be crucified. God speaking in Isaiah says this, Isaiah 49, 4, No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words, speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. And guess what? Hallelujah, he's bringing justice. He's bringing justice. No wonder they're saying hallelujah. Verse 6, And then, And I heard, as it were, the voices of great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are these who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Human love is, is, is a really high place in our society. Maybe the apex of human existence. And the human heart craves romance. It does. I read a lot of genres. I have to. I read so much junk fiction that I have to switch genres all the time. So it doesn't matter what genre I go to. You know, some, you know, uh, legal thriller or some uh, action thing or some western. I don't like it if there isn't a little romance in it. Okay? Give me some, yeah, I love the action stuff and the fighting and all that stuff and, and the western, you know, the saddles and the horses and all that, but there better be, there better be some romance there. Okay? I better have a little bit because my heart kind of desires romance. God, God wrote a book and this is, this is a romance book. From beginning to end, it's it's about romance. Uh, you look in uh, the first miracle. What was it? It was a it was the marriage there in Cana. You look at the last ceremony in the Bible. It's it's guess what? It's it's the the uh, marriage of the Lamb. To understand it, you have to talk about a Jewish wedding, and and I've talked about it before, so I know this is deja vu again. Okay, but it's. It, it uses so much terminology in the New Testament for the wedding that it's important to understand it. Remember, Jewish weddings were arranged. Okay, yeah, they had the yenta, right? Uh, you ever watch Fiddler on the Roof? Okay, no Fiddler on the Roofs here. Oh my goodness! Well, some. Thank you. 
Thank you. Well, we're going to talk to the society types. Okay, right? <laughs> they watch Fiddler. Now, I don't know if that's society or not. But remember, they have the Yenta that kind of arranged marriages. It's kind of true. Still, in Jesus' day, they did that. Really, they were arranged by the fathers, but I'm sure the, there was some woman behind it saying, oh, she'd be great for him, or, you know, he'd be great for her. Anyway, they would arrange marriage. Sometimes when they're very young, they would be uh, put together, two years old. They wouldn't be married yet, but the agreement would be made. They wouldn't be married until the time decided by the fathers. And then then what would happen is is the, the man, the, the, the groom, would bring the money. He would bring the, the, the bride price, and it was exorbitant. Usually, usually paid by the father. We, we saw that in New Guinea, same thing. He'd bring the bride price, it was a lot. When he brought the bride price, as soon as that took place, married. Married. Right then. Now, the groom would say to his bride, I'd go to prepare a place for you. Sometimes they would both drink from a wine glass and then they would shatter the glass uh, to signify that they can't go back to what they were. Okay. Sometimes that happens later on, but a lot of times that happened there. So he says, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. Because he can't come get his bride until the place is ready. So he heads out, goes back to his father's house, he starts building the place onto his father's house. Now, he doesn't decide when he goes back because if he did, he'd say, I'm going to go, hey, you know what? Hey, you know, a little bit, you know, some cardboard, you know, a couple two by fours, that's good enough, you know? And no, no, you, you got to build it right and the father decides. So the father's, it's up to the father to decide when he goes back. Now, during this time, the bride, at first, she has no worries, right? She has no worries. He's not coming for her yet. He can't build that thing that fast. But as time goes by, she realizes, hey, he might be industrious. Two months, he might get it done. So every night before bed, she gets all her finery on. It's all fixed up. She has her her, her handmaids. Really, these are the, the women of her wedding party. They spend the night with her. Right? They're waiting. They're waiting for him to come and grab his bride. And, and they have lamps because... It's going to be at night. Every Jewish bride is abducted. Isn't that romantic? Is that how you you wish your your romance had gone? You know, see, look at all the money you save on that big wedding. You know, snatch them up at night. You know, biblical. Anyway, uh, so every night she'd get ready. Oh yeah, and so during this time they have no con contact. They are legally married. He can't even be drafted. He can't be drafted into the army. Well, after after this for a year. So, as it, finally the father says, listen, okay, you can go get her. So he grabs the groom, you know, his groomsmen, and they go out at night. They go up to her house. She's up there. They've all prepared, you know. Maybe he'll come tonight. I wonder if somehow they might have known, too. You know, some, yeah, nobody keeps secrets anymore. But anyway, just as a safety, right before he gets there, they had to blow a horn. Mainly because we don't want to catch her in the bathroom or indisposed, and so there was a safety built in. that The trump would sound, and then he's going to get his bride. And he goes in, and they grab her, and I didn't realize this till recently. They actually lift her up. They, they, uh, they, they, they lift her up. She's, got, she's veiled. They lift her up, and all the, the handmaidens have these lamps, and they, they go throughout the town, and people are like, what's this noise? And they, they look, oh, it's the wedding. Oh, oh, he's got his bride. And that's really fun. Anyway, he takes his bride back to the bridal chamber, where the marriage is consummated and they have a party for seven days. At the end of seven days, he brings his bride back, but this time no veil. It's daylight. Everybody gets to see her as she is. That's a picture of what's happening here. right? 
This is this is the this is what we've been waiting for. It's going to come with a trump, and it's going to come like that, and we won't we won't even when we don't even expect it. There's seven, lots of sevens in scripture, or uh, in Revelation, a lot of sevens. Seven spirits, seven churches, uh, seven bowls, seven, seven trumpets, lots of sevens. Seven times every tongue, tribe, and nation. Anyway, there's like 55 uh, different sevens in there. Uh, seven benedictions. Here's one of them, verse 9. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. So really we have here in, in, <laughs> In Revelation uh, 19, we have the beginning of the epilogue of of the end, if you will. It's culminated in Revelation 21.3 where it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. No wonder there's hallelujahs. Hallelujahs. I always have a, a picture growing up of God, you know, of me going into heaven. You know, I'm going up into heaven. But really the picture of Revelation is he's going to come down. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth. He's going to come come down here and dwell with man. He dwell with man. How can he do that? Well, here's the thing. He says in, in Genesis that he says, I'm going to make man in my own image. Now, if I asked you to make a man... Some of you can sew and you'd make one out of cloth and you'd make something look like Raggedy Ann. That's all right, okay? Uh, some of you maybe can work with wood and you'd make something out of two-by-fours. It'd look a lot worse, okay? And maybe you can whittle and you've got some skill and, okay, so it looks pretty good. And maybe you're a sculptor and you can do it with clay and that'd be great. And maybe you're a techno guy and you can have it move and say things and that's really good too, but it's still not a man, right? You want to make a man? You beget a man. You have to sire a man. That's exactly what God did. God took the failure of Adam there in the garden and used that for his glory where he sired us believers. Sired us as believers. It says in Revelation 21.7, He overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. He will be my son. I don't always feel like a son, but nothing's going to derail that train. Last part, Revelation 19, verses 9 through 10. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said to me, These are the true sayings of God. I fell at his feet to worship me. He said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There's a testimony, there's a tendency in Christians in the Christian realm to worship the communicator rather than the content or the one it's about. This is a perfect example of, of worshiping the wrong thing. John falls down, he says, listen, don't do that. I, I'm just like you. I, in, in one way, I'm like you. I'm bringing the testimony of Jesus Christ. Just like their brethren, just like you, I have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, there's a lot of difference. But for him, the one thing was the testimony of Jesus Christ. I told you there's a lot of sevens in Revelation. Well, the number one term, the number one title used for Jesus Christ in Revelation is the Lamb of God. It, and really that emphasizes his, his redemptive sacrifice. All about the Lamb of God, 28 times. Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God. This is, this is where we're headed. 
to where the Lamb of God is going to rule on the throne. God is going to dwell with us as sons. And that's all part of the salvation. That the salvation is all, it all comes, he's the, the, the scope of all the testimony of Christ comes down to and includes this testimony here in Revelation of what's going to finally happen. Years ago, a few years ago, we went camping up up north, and uh, maybe it was Sheboygan or something. I can't remember where it was, but we we went there, and they had a they had a uh, we took our bicycles. They had one of these these bike paths on the old train, the the old train tracks, and uh, they do that a lot. And uh, it was kind of fun. And I I asked what what train ran here. He said that oh that was the Detroit Mackinac train. I said, really? What what was that? They said, oh, people in Detroit, they wanted to go to Mackinac. And so they'd they'd fill the train up down there. It wouldn't hardly stop. It, it'd just go from Detroit to Mackinac. I was like, man, like Mackinac is the place, right? It's like peaceful and it's always sunny there and cloud, you know, no clouds and, and there's no, you know, it's all simple and there's no, you know, there's no cars or anything. It's hey, it's a different life. Yeah, man, that is that's like heaven on earth. I got thinking about it. It's like you know, this is this is kind of a picture of, of, of what God's talking about here for us. They're leaving Detroit. Now, if you're from Detroit and you love Detroit, you that's okay. That's well, not okay. But anyway, you keep that. Don't tell me about it, okay? And you imagine getting on a train in Detroit headed to Mackinac, right? You could think, oh, man, that's great, right? And then well, you got to go through Pontiac. Oh, man. Hopefully there's nobody from Pontiac here. Jerry, you're not from Pontiac, are you? Good, I'm glad. Anyway, uh, glad nobody's from Pontiac. Anyway, so Pontiac, and and don't you have to go through Saginaw too, and maybe Bay City or whatever? Flint, you have to go through Flint. <laughs> okay, it's all right. Anyway, at least you don't have to go through Jackson. You know, I'm from Jackson. Man, great. You don't have to go through Jackson. You imagine you're going, you're on the train. You're going. Oh, look at this. I thought we were going. You know, hey, look how bad. Yeah, but you're on the train. Right? Train's not stopping there. It keeps going. And even when it gets into the rural areas, maybe you go through some swamp. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're not always the best looking place, but it's headed to Mackinac. And nothing's gonna stop that train. And and when when the world seems crazy and and it gets out of balance and you look at the news and you're like, can it get any worse? It can. Okay, just so you know, don't be surprised it can. Just remember that if you're a believer, you're on that train. Okay? You're on that train. Okay, maybe we're chips and salsa now. Well, we're on that train. Okay? And nothing's going to derail that train. Days are going by. And the salvation is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's coming. No wonder they're crying out. And, and sometimes in this world, it's maybe a good idea to keep that in perspective of where, where we're headed. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. That uh, Certainly, we have to ask, why is Revelation here? I believe it's written as an encouragement. It's written to encourage us because, man, we live in a crazy, crazy world. It gets crazier. I'd, I'd like to think we've reached the peak, but uh, I don't believe that's true. And yet, Lord, you are going to reign. All those injustices that I see and we see, some of them happen to us and some of them happen to others and sometimes they happen to people we love. Lord, you're, 
you're going to deal with those injustices. You're going to bring true justice to this earth. Most of all, you're going to bring yourself to this earth. And that blessed longing that we have is going to be filled and constantly renewed. Every day is going to be new. If you promise us abundant life here, I can't imagine what the abundant life is going to be in heaven. Lord, help us live our lives in, in light of the truth that we're on the train and nothing's going to derail it. Help us not to get sidetracked with what we see outside. Help us focus on the real reality, which is what you say. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.